security number might be a thing of the past. If you see, just say you joined us right now. She's a Bloomberg News national security reporter based in Washington, D.C., and joining us on it right now. Uh, and if you say, um, talk to us about this sort of the importance of uh, the uh, social security number, the, the way that it's used now well beyond social security. Sure. So the U.S. government started using social security numbers almost 80 years ago, uh, around 19, late 1930s. And initially the intent was to, you know, keep track of people so that, uh, you know, you knew how much retirement benefits to get for social security. But then it sort of evolved into this number that became our identifier for everything, almost a universal identifier. And the Social Security Administration says by now they've... Uh, issued more than 450 million of these numbers. But what happened is when there's only one number for each of us, it's become very valued. And so when there's a cyber breach, like we saw uh, at the uh, uh, Equifax last, in the last few weeks, um, we now see that this number might be an ineffective way of actually keeping track of people and becoming the way to identify each of us individually. Is there a better way of doing this? What, what could we replace it with that would be more secure, still somewhat easy to use? Um, what are the ideas being kicked around? That's actually under discussion right now that we heard just this week uh, in the administration. We heard the cyber czar, the White House cybersecurity coordinator, Rob Joyce, said yesterday and again today in public uh, venues that he thinks that the Social Security number is a flawed system and used to identify us. And so he said, actually, agencies now, federal agencies, are floating around ideas, looking at vulnerabilities uh, of using a Social Security number, and then what could replace it. So he's, uh, you know, given some suggestions, uh, such as what he calls more modern technology, cryptographic identifiers, public-private keys. So what that essentially means is, for instance, the government could issue these long numbers that are basically code, kind of be gibberish to us, but would be unique identifiers to each person. Let's say you have something physical like your bank card that has a chip. You could enter that card, and that chip would only be accessible if you enter, you know, your private PIN, and then that unlocks that uh, that that private key or that sort of cryptographic number, which is much easy, much more easily replaceable than right now the social security number when it gets breached. Uh, this raises all sorts of questions. Uh, can the federal government even handle this kind of business? I mean, this, this issuing of, of of IDs and, you know, I mean, think about how long it takes to get a passport. Well, your other option is what, the private sector? Well, I, don't, I don't know. The, I mean, I, I, but if, if they're going to do this, I, they can't do it. I mean, I don't know, you know. And this from an optimist. Exactly. I mean, this is one of the big questions, and I think that's what federal agencies are going to be wrestling with. We have some examples internationally of Estonia entering these, uh, distributing these kinds of cards, but they're a much smaller population versus, say, uh, India, which has had something called the Aadhaar card, uh, which also takes people's biometric data and issues them this specific number. Uh, but And that's 1.2 billion people. But in the U.S., you know, coming up with this kind of solution would require a lot of money. Is there a political will to carry out something like this? Uh, you know, and so that's going to be a big question, also disseminating. Or how are they going to give out all of these cards or numbers uh, that, that might come, especially if it's new technology? Um, and there's also privacy concerns in terms of, you know, how do we actually uh, make sure that these numbers, uh, you know, might, there's other kinds of technology called blockchain, which is like a mm. DNA digital fingerprint. Right. So all of these things could be uh, also raise really big questions about our privacy, especially since they can track all of our transactions. Um, and it would require uh, maybe changing some laws. 
So there's a lot of uh, 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 hurdles before I, you know we would get to that point. Nafisa, I'm exhausted just listening to you. Like, what would need to be done to, to have it done? But, you know, we need something, right, to keep this information secure in an increasing digital world where hackers can access really crucial, vital information. Having said that, if we go back to Equifax and think about what happened there, uh, some have said a simple <laughs> maybe solution is this whole idea of, you know, consumers opting in or that information being turned off off until a consumer says, hey, turn it on so a bank can access it and determine whether or not I can get, you know, a mortgage to buy a house. Um, that seems like somewhat of a simple solution to kind of control the access to really important information. Right. That could be one solution. Uh, again, it will depend on whether the communications around this kind of infrastructure of what you're talking about will be secure or not. There's uh, like some of the options that you know the administration has suggested or floating about encryption, encrypted type of keys. Uh, you know that could be one way that let's say you go to sign up for a bank account, you give them this long kind of cryptographic number, they then will send you a message, uh, and you can only then decrypt the message they send you using your private key. And so that could be a way of protecting, um, you know, your identity. But again, it's, it raises a lot of questions of how some people are going to opt in. What if people don't know about it? And so some people are going to be more secure just based on how aware they are. Can't wait to explain to my dad how to use this stuff. Uh, Nafisa Sayed, thank you so much. Nafisa Sayed, Bloomberg News National Security Reporter. Joining us from Washington, D.C., you're listening to Bloomberg Markets. I'm Bloomberg Radio. I'm Corey Johnson. She's Carol Masser, and this is Bloomberg.